What's up, everyone? Welcome into the Flex Fantasy Network. Dylan here with Cameron. Unfortunately, Ian's not joining us today, but we're going to preview week two, answer some questions from the from the public, and then go over some player prop lines and just kind of talk about each game, give a little preview. But how you doing, man? Good, man. Looking forward to week two, man. Going to be a lot of questions answered. We're going to see, we're going to see a lot of, um, you know, we wait so long for week one to happen that I think that we have a tendency to overreact to a lot of these things, but then they sort of start getting ironed out by week two. And I'm excited, especially to look at the second week of these uh, rookies as well. Yeah. We always have talked about it. Week one is the tilt week because you have this idea of reality in your head going into the season. And then so many things get crushed from that reality yeah. and you have to rethink just about everything. Um, but especially yeah. if you're especially if you're doing what we do where you're you're basically living on numbers for for months and months and months and you have an idea of what the numbers say right. what these guys look like on paper and then they come out and they do either the complete opposite or they go you know way over way under uh so it's so it's always good to see week two week two is one of my favorite yeah. favorite weeks of the year it's the stabilizing week yeah you're yeah. you're living on numbers in the off season trying to find you know, predictive uh, stats basically to to tell you what guys are going to do. But then, you know, reality sets in, and then there's a lot of variables to football. Um, like- projecting situations too. Like I don't, I don't think anybody, for example, like the Panthers came out and were like super aggressive passers. Nobody, nobody saw that coming. Last year, we thought that the Bengals were going to come out and be super aggressive passers, and they weren't at all. So, but they were super. Uh, yeah, there's. Right. So many things that change in your mind. Like who would have thought Kadarius Tony would be the seventh string wide receiver? (laughs) (laughs) Richie James playing over. The numbers did not say that. I don't think. No, no, no. But, but man, uh, week two off to a good start though, especially for our show with our darlings, Mike Williams being one of them. Uh, Big bounce back week on Thursday night. That, that was awesome to see. I mean, that was inevitable when Keenan Allen is out. You know, they're up in a shootout type of matchup. You know, I knew Mike Williams was going to smash, but it was good to see that, get some more confidence in him going forward. He's still somebody I'm I'm really high on rest of season. Yeah. Yeah. For fantasy, it was good to see one of the guys that we were, we were, I think, all pretty heavy on uh, come through. But that game in itself was insane. Like, we thought that uh, Staley was one type of coach, and then all of a sudden he's punting on fourth downs. He's – He's like that was, taking the field goal on fourth down. Like I saw, like like there are several, you know, like data analytics and football analytics people that will post on Twitter, like the models that they have uh, for uh, like game outcomes and stuff. And I saw like just people were going crazy, like post after post after post. Like this is what the Chargers would have won by had they gone for it. Had 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 Staley acted like Staley normally does, and it was just unanimous. Like the Chargers should have won that game. That was disappointing to see. One of the, another reason why I was so high on the Chargers and Justin Herbert is they have extra plays because they go for fourth down, and that that means a lot. And it was weird to see. Like I don't know, I don't know, like what whether it's like when you see something like that, you think maybe like ownership is getting involved, or yes. like there's some sort of like conflict at the top level. That's what uh, that's what I was saying to you in the message boards. Like it was disappointing to see him change the philosophy a bit, but. He got a lot of crap last year for being that aggressive. And I think someone basically told him to tone it down or maybe he came to that realization himself where he wanted yeah. to maybe be less aggressive. You put yourself on the hot seat less by and doing I hope that. that's not the case that like that, like an NFL franchise valued in billions of dollars of the smartest football minds in America are getting pressured by like beer gutted uh, sports talk radio callers. Well, <laughs> But that's the thing. They didn't make the playoffs last year. And then he gets criticism saying that those decisions are costing them. So the less risks he take, I guess the less poorly it reflects on him. You know, that's the only logic I can think about. And he wants to protect the deal though. Like whenever you don't go for those fourth downs, that's the decision that's more risky. Like that's the decision that puts you in a worse position to win the game is the thing that people just don't understand that. So I hope, I hope that that's not the case. And I hope that going forward, we see this offense be what we thought it would be because I was I was very excited to watch them this year. Me too. I mean, still good offense. It doesn't change a whole lot, but I wanted yeah. those extra those extra points there for fantasy. I'm just I'm just like ready for the NFL to take that step forward. Oh, like 
And then you know what I mean? The one fourth down they did go for late in the game because they had to. Justin Herbert, after basically giving up on a play where he had a wide open first down because his ribs are cracked or whatever, he oh basically mixed out, gave Warrior. up on third down, and then fourth down throws a beautiful touchdown pass. Like this dude is so good. And he's anytime they need him to make a play on fourth down, it seems that he makes it. And it's unbelievable since last season. Um, yeah, no, that was insane. Like to me, if a guy like he literally could not run and they still and they still kept him on the field like that, that seems like the definition of a guy that, that is like hurting your team being out there. We are like, oh, my God. OK, like we literally had to take him off. And then he just throws an absolute dart. I know that was great to see. I mean, I think we're all vindicated in the talent with Justin Herbert. Like this dude is is absolutely for real. I think he's one of the two or three best quarterbacks in football right there with Mahomes for sure. Josh Allen. Yeah. And it was good to see uh, Chase Daniel come in and take about a half a million dollar snap. <laughs> <laughs> like the way he's getting paid. <laughs> oh, yeah. When he had to go <laughs> for a, 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 a snap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's answer some of these questions, but make sure to like and subscribe. If you guys have any other questions heading into week two, throw them in the comments on YouTube. We'll try to answer them, too, before Sunday. If you have any emergency questions, but... Uh, I'm not going to read off the names here, but someone asked, smart or stupid to drop Kadarius Tony for either Jarvis Landry or Chase Claypool? So it's good that we're uh, starting off with this question because we said earlier in the week, hold Tony for another week. The dude is still apparently seventh string in practice with the Giants. And yeah, the news has now, continued to be bad. And he's back on the injury report with the hamstring. He re-aggravated in, in practice. So, and if I'm going to redraft, it breaks my heart to say this, but let Kadarius Tony go. I think, I think I'm already there. Um, I yeah, would like to see another week, but I would rather have Jarvis Landry on my team. Yeah. Especially if you're dropping him for a guy like Jarvis Landry, Jarvis Landry. Um, I, I, I think was higher on the consensus going into the year. He's a guy who his entire career has been a 25% target share earner so he's he's been uh, like an elite target earner and then for like eight nine years now and then in his first game you see him to me like completely like unsurprisingly getting a 28 percent target share nine targets um so yeah landry's a guy that has to be like he's like to me like a priority waiver ad Okay, so would you take – would you if you're dropping Tony, you're going to pick up Landry instead of Claypool? Because that's where I'm at. I'm easily, taking Landry. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Like, I mean, Landry is a, he's, he's like a multi-time wide receiver one for PPR, so yeah. easily. He's still only 29, so he still has something left in the tank. You know, he was just hurt last year. And he seems yeah. to be maybe, if not the top target, right up there with Michael Thomas for the Saints. Definitely ahead of Chris Olave in the pecking order at the moment, at mm -hmm. least. And this is a team mm -hmm. that – are going to throw a lot more. I mean, we saw that in week one with Jameis. So I, I like that as well. Um, we got another question here. They ask, is it crazy to start Henderson, Daryl Henderson over Kamara, even if Kamara plays? What do you think about that? Uh, that one's, that one's sort of rough. Um, I, I don't. So just the way that the question is worded, no, I don't think it's crazy yeah. to consider, to consider starting them. Uh, the opportunity share, he had an 85.7 opportunity share uh, in week one, an 80% snap share uh, that resulted in 13 carries, five targets, two red zone touches. So all that to say that Daryl Henderson is the same as we've seen from any Rams running back under Sean McVay. Like he can talk all he wants about wanting to have a committee uh, as he did in the offseason, but that's just that just doesn't seem to be the case with him. All the evidence on field that we have is that when there's a guy, there's an absolute guy and he is like a Steelers level workhorse back. Right. So I think that opportunity in an offense that we still think is good, that you and I both agree uh, oh, yeah. like that we think is good. Um, they didn't, they didn't look too hot week one, but we can't just overreact to that as we were saying at the, at the top of the show. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think it's crazy. I think you still do need to give Alvin Kamara the benefit of the doubt. I think that, surely on your team i think that you need to start daryl henderson and i think that surely on your team there is a better player that you can bench to get him in your lineup maybe. than alvin kamara it depends Hopefully. there's some leagues that only do one flex and then maybe you really don't maybe you don't have someone that you can throw on the bench for henderson but i i agree with you definitely not crazy um 
But I mean, week two is going to tell us a lot. Does it come out that, you know, Cam Akers is in more of a committee with Henderson? Like, is it more of a 50 50 split? I feel like that's still in the realm of outcomes that maybe it was a doghouse scenario for Akers. I think it's more likely that Henderson just has the job, is going to get 70% of snaps or more. And I think it's a get right game for Atlanta uh, against Atlanta. And they should really put the beat down. Yeah, on they're going to go up on them. They're going to go up on this team. They're going to they're going to be running the ball out in the third and fourth quarter. Um, yeah, you have to get Daryl Henderson in your lineup. He's like a he's an easy like top fifty play this week. Probably if I were to sit and like get, uh, list it out, like better than that, like top forty play to me. So like unless your lineup somehow is just absolutely like dominant, like populated with like top twenty five, top thirty guys only. Uh, you should find a way to get Daryl Henderson in there. And I think that you should find somebody else other than Alvin Kamara. To, you know what? I I think thing. it's not going to matter because Kamara is probably going to miss the game. It sounds like yeah. and it against Tampa Bay, his matchup, and that's a tough matchup for him. Um, yeah, it's this... been tough in the past. The last, last two games against him last year, he averaged, he had 16 points and five points against Tampa. So I... this is also an opportunity to kind of like, some of this is coming from a concern over Alvin Kamara's role. Um, which I, you know, like we said, week one overreaction, which is a little overstated to me. Like he still had a 72% opportunity share. Um, uh, the snap share was lower, certainly uh, slightly lower than what we saw last year out of Alvin Kamara, but like is higher than like what the uh, career snap share has been still. I, and, I think it was only lower because he was dealing with the injury and he, he sat out a lot of the fourth quarter actually. Right. So like he's still it looks like he's going to be this year still like the workhorse Alvin Kamara. Yeah. The, like like that version that we were seeing last year, like it looks like they still do want to give him a lot of uh, like opportunity. So no like, doubt. yeah, I think that I think that it was a bit of an overreaction. Uh, the concern on, on Alvin Kamara and this week, it would just be about injury, whether or not he would be in my lineup. Yeah, I'm with you, though. If Kamara's playing and we hear he's not going to be limited, I just can't sit Alvin Kamara based on what he's done throughout his career. Um, and we got a dynasty question. Uh, this person's rebuilding. They're asking, do they trade Godwin to get Pierce? I'm assuming that's Damian Pierce, Elijah Moore, and the 2023 second. Or I didn't get clarification. Maybe it's Alec Pierce that he's referring to. But let's say it's Damian Pierce. Do you trade Godwin for Moore, a 23 second, and Damian Pierce? So it's Elijah Moore. He didn't just say... Emore, yeah, Emore. It's got to be okay. Emore, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's an interesting one. Um, yeah. So Chris Godwin is a guy that you know we've seen we've seen produce at an elite level. Uh, we, we both like him. Um, he's still young enough. Uh, twenty six. Yeah, this he's is still a in his prime. Season. So, so he still has he still has one more like really like super prime season uh, for like a, uh, for a wide receiver, and then the really good ones do tail off 28, 29, still giving you uh, useful years. The issue with Chris Godwin is that he signed that contract with Tampa Bay and that we have no idea what, what that's going to look like going forward. And that a lot of Godwin's uh, um, value was uh, derived not from necessarily uh, like commanding a ton of targets or, or even being like super efficient on his targets, but being in a incredibly high volume offense. And um we don't. We just don't know if that's going to continue. Um, so I think if I'm rebuilding and I have the opportunity to move off of a guy who's not going to do anything for me this year, most likely it seems like it's, it's going to be a rough year for him. Uh, and then you're getting an uncertain age, 27 and beyond, out of him. Uh, I think I would make this deal. I don't like Damian Pierce. I think I would find a way to to like consolidate the value that you're getting in Pierce in a second. I do want Elijah Moore for sure. Um, but yeah, try to find a way to uh, consolidate that value with Pierce in a second is what I would do. Maybe, also, get, maybe try to get also, like a, a first out of that. You could also try to trade Pierce for something, but maybe it's Alec Pierce. I'm thinking because Damian Pierce's value is still pretty high in Dynasty. I don't. People might see him as almost as valuable as Godwin. Some people have. I've seen him going for 2023 20, firsts and more. Still, that's brutal. Yeah, I think that. 
I think that probably a lot of that value was, I think that lead balloons started to sink in week one. I don't know. Like I haven't actually checked on Pierce recently, but I mean, yeah, like I know like just prior to week one, people were taking them like 102 in rookie drafts and stuff. And Someone in our that. league, Cecil got him in another league for a 2023 or traded him for a 2023 first and a 2024 second. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Like there are um, still the truthers out there, but man, I think, I do believe in Chris Godwin this year. I think you might be able to get more if you trade him later in the season once he gets healthy and starts putting up big weeks because Julio's on the injury report. Mike Evans is too. You know, you know Julio's going to miss time. There's At some point this year, Godwin is going to start commanding a really high target share, I think. You know, he looked relatively healthy. He's The, the hamstring injury is supposedly, you know, uh, not that big of a deal to the point where he almost played this week. He was trying to get on the practice field. So, I think by week four or five, he probably gets healthy. It's not a bad trade. It's definitely fair. I like getting back Elijah Moore. You're getting an even younger wide receiver. We know is going to be Elijah. Yeah, like just to be clear too, like like Elijah Moore for me was uh, a very very good rookie prospect, and then came out and put up a very very good year one. Like he 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 smashed every threshold that I care about, other than size, as a as a uh, as a uh, rookie. And then cleared every threshold that I care about in terms of um, year one production in the NFL. So uh, I think that he's going to be great. Uh, the situation obviously is not great in uh, uh, with the Jets either. And I'm, I'm not like a Zach Wilson guy or anything like that. Far from it. But um, he's young enough that that just doesn't matter at all. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, even if it is Alec Pierce too, I also have no interest in him. So. I would find some way to keep the deal with Elijah Moore and then consolidate those other two pieces, try to make it into a 23 first. That would be an absolute smash for me. 23 first and Elijah Moore for Chris Godwin. Oh, even no. if like, like regardless of my team construction, like if, I mean, even if I had to win this year, I would still make that deal. Yeah. That would be optimal. If, if you can make that into a 23 first or even a 24 first, um, right. I would uh, first and Elijah Moore for Godwin would be enough uh, for me. But I also think um, you probably could hold Godwin and and get possibly a little more value later in the season if you can't get that first right now. Uh, but I think that's a deal that's worth doing, though. And then we got a redraft question. Miles Sanders for Josh Jacobs. So they'll be trading Sanders away. Yes, which side wins or is it even? I think it is pretty close to even. Um I you might disagree here. I would do the trade. I'll take Josh Jacobs. He Ooh, actually yeah, no, I disagree. He he actually well he had sixty percent of the snaps last week. So I mean Jacobs appears to actually be in the same role there. And uh, I don't know Miles Sanders. That was a phenomenal matchup against Detroit. That's kind of how I'm looking at it right now. Where he you know he didn't get the targets either, but he got in the end zone and was extremely efficient. Uh, I would take Jacobs personally. Yeah, I would. I would. Uh, I would take Miles Sanders. Like, I've. I've more or less preferred Miles Sanders. Um, you know, they came out in the in the same class in a rookie drafts. So I preferred Sanders, uh, and every year since then, I've more or less preferred Sanders. I still. I still. I still would lean that direction. I think Sanders is a much much more talented player. Um, yeah, looking up Jacobs. Yeah, but every year there. since then, also Jacobs has way outperformed Sanders, though. No, I know. I I think that what's going to happen, like this is about this is about what's going forward in the future, and I think that Sanders uh, is much much more likely to perform in a second contract somewhere else. Like, like I, I think I, that I, once he like this is know, a like, redraft that, question. This is a redraft, oh, it's a redraft question. Yeah. Oh, the rest of Sanders season, still. Though. Yeah, yeah, no, Sanders still. Uh, they had a similar snap share week one. Uh, Sanders got more work overall, got more carries, got more targets, and was much better on those carries and targets. Much and I expected game script or matchup and game script for him, though. <clears throat> yeah, and I expect that that efficiency uh, will continue for Sanders because he's been efficient his entire uh, career, whereas Josh Jacobs has been uh, like declining in efficiency year over year. Um, I think it's, I mean, I think that a case can be made for both, but this is, in any case, this is, this is the moment that if you're going to sell Miles Sanders, that you should be trying to sell him high. And this is not a sell high for Miles Sanders. I think like he just had like an RB 13 season or a uh, week. 
in uh, <laughs> week one. So, so I think that I would not be selling for Jacobs. I don't yeah. expect a lot out of Jacobs this year. I, <laughs> I guess we we're not going to be any of help here because we both have a different opinion, but no, I, I expect Sanders is going to have these games. I just do not count on the volume lasting all season long. Like, well, let me check out the split here. Cause Gainwell was heavily involved as was uh, Boston Scott as well last week. Right. And I yes. feel like it could just be any, any given week, it could be one of those guys to steal the goal line work. Gainwell gets most of the pass catching work. I know, I don't know. Jacobs is probably not going to see the target share he did last year because Brandon Bolden no, is also not. working it on third down. But I just think I think the volume for Jacobs rest of season is going to be more guaranteed for me. That's kind of where I'm coming from. Also, it should be noted, I think, with uh, Sanders that he did get three red zone touches last week, which <laughs> was uh, through week one as ninth in the NFL. He was like, the exclusive red zone back. And if you just look at the size comparison between the guys they have, uh, their game well, Boston Scott Sanders. It seems like they've, it at least through week one, like we don't want to like like overreact to stuff. It's just I was high on Miles Sanders compared to consensus coming into the season, and all of that was confirmed in week one for me. So, so I'm like feeling high on him. But um, it seems like through week one, they they do want to use the bigger back, the one that makes more sense in like those goal line packages. Yeah. Now, so I guess to <laughs> to summarize, I slightly prefer Jacobs. Cameron first Sanders, but you know, maybe you can get a little bit more from it. It's more or less a lateral trade for me either way, even though I'm slightly. Yeah. So you could maybe package Sanders with someone else and, and go for someone better. Maybe try to get a stud running back selling high on Sanders after a, a big week one. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. And, and I think that like, even if I was a little bit lower on Sanders, like trying to put myself in the, uh, uh, like that position, this is still a deal that I wouldn't want to make because it's a lateral move. I just, right. I just, I, and I just don't want to make lateral moves and trades. Like you want to be trading for, for a like uh, reason. Right. And I don't think that there's enough differentiation if you're low on Sanders uh, between what Sanders is going to do and what Jacobs is going to do on the year yeah, I, can, to, I can get behind to, that to do this deal right yeah like package sanders with something else to move up like that kind of thing yeah uh next one is a start sick question with Pittman ruled out they're asking to start to alan robinson brandon Ayuk, or chase edmonds i'm i'm assuming we're gonna agree with this this cut and dry for me i'm starting robinson and edmonds here 100 yeah and uh, we just got word i see ian posted in our chat that it's going to rain again for the 49er game. Exactly. No, it's yeah, it's, it's supposed to, yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be another absolute monsoon there. <laughs> so that was yeah, already that makes game, it even easier. It was already a game I expected to be very run heavy. And now it's definitely going to be that way if there is another rainstorm. Uh, but yeah, Edmonds is someone to me that I like that work. I like Miami's offense. So he's someone I want to put in every lineup across all my leagues, really. He's almost a must start player. And Robinson, to me, we talked about him. We expect a bounce back week. So, well, yeah, you could always rip off the big plays here and there. I just I don't have confidence in starting him yet until I see it work out with uh, with Trey Lance there at quarterback. I'm going to it's kind of a wait and see thing for me with Ayuk. Yeah. And uh, uh, with uh, Edmonds uh, specifically, this is a guy that that you don't need to be at all panicking on. Like, I think that I think that maybe like oh, no. in this in this question maybe is some sort of some sort of worry about Edmonds uh that week one his utilization was very very good like we're talking like 70 plus percent opportunity share he got uh four targets which is like the baseline sort of like what you want to see for like uh, uh like high upside is like four plus targets he had a 14 percent target share so uh he's I mean if we see this all year long this is exactly what we wanted to see yeah. drafting uh like Chase Edmonds no I'm I'm de- I feel confident in Edmonds now after week one. He got the usage, 16 opportunities. Mostert is out there, but Edmonds is getting all the pass catching and he's the lead rusher. So that fear that Mostert might take over early down work over Edmonds, I think it's not going to happen unless things change later on. So Edmonds is the clear number one guy there. I love the offense. So he's someone that's going to have good weeks and be a steady force in your lineup for probably all season long. So he's someone I'm... I'm starting just about everywhere. And the last question we got, another start-sit type of deal, but he asked if if T. Higgins ends up playing, 
Should I expect him to play a full game or concede playtime to Tyler Boyd so he avoids another injury? So th- this is an injury question. Um, T. Higgins had a concussion, right? So with concussion, I think if he's cleared if to play, you know, you're 100. Yeah, 100. He's going to play. There's so if Higgins is on the field, no doubt in my mind, I play him with confidence as a must-start play. It's a good matchup against Dallas. Uh, where I, you know, he can. It's going to be a blowout, so maybe it's not going to be a great game script for them, but he should probably see some big play opportunities in this one. Uh, Yeah, must start for me. I'm not worrying about Tyler Boyd taking away targets or snaps if he's playing. Yeah, like the only way to avoid not getting another uh, concussion possibly would be to stop playing football. To not play, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's just a part of it. Yeah, like if he's going in, he's in there uh, 100%. Right, right. Full confidence there. All right, so we're gonna let's run through uh, the game slate and go through some over unders I picked out, and basically just say whether we take the overs, whether we take the unders, and then we could point out which ones that <clears throat> we would actually you know bet on when we're making our uh, you know sports book props this week. Uh, starting with the Giants and Carolina, you got an over under on Saquon Barkley seventy four and a half rushing yards which after last week where he what, had like 140 rushing yards on the ground there, I right. expect all the opportunity. That seems like kind of a low line for Saquon. It's kind of based on what he did last year, which I think it's, it's changed. Yeah, 164 yards last, last week, almost 200 all-purpose yards. So that to yeah, me – Yeah, what are the odds on that? Uh, I don't – Do you know? This is, is like... off of prize pick, so they're just – it's straight up over-under. Oh, they have you have to do like parlays and the price picks, right? Yeah, like it's like a deal where you, uh, other, okay, yeah. yeah, I see. Um, yeah, I mean, if that's if that's like an even money or like close to it, like just like just the house juice, like a minus 110 kind of kind of play, like for sure. Uh, I suspect that it's not, but uh, I can pull it up here. Uh, Saquon Barkley, no, that's the receiver. Hold on, I got it right here. Saquon Barkley, it is, yeah. So that's yes, that's like a minus one ten play. Like that, like you're just like you're just laying the juice for the house there. Uh, yeah, I would take that. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's like a smash play type of situation necessarily. But uh, yeah, but I, th- I think that I think that there are certainly worse bets uh, that you could take this week. Yeah, and sticking with the Giants, they got the over under on Kenny Galladay twenty nine and a half receiving yards. And it's crazy, under. but I would be all over the under for that. This guy can't on that. play football. <laughs> oh, yeah. Under on that. It looks like he's completely checked out. Uh, and we did get uh, like some inside information leading up to week one from uh, like Kadarius Tony that KGA none. He, po- <laughs> he posted that on his Instagram. So we know, I mean, you know, we already know from an insider on the team that he ain't none. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, hey, so he's going his under. teammates are saying it. Yeah. He, he had uh, 19 routes run which is what i mean for a rookie for a rookie even is sort of concerning for a guy that is a vet in the nfl that they're like paying all this money to to run like to be a straight up part-time player and run 19 routes in week one is a concern yeah and then you got baker mayfield is over under 216 and a half passing yards and one and a half touchdowns there, man. I, I, are you putting this in because you, you like the over on this one? Because I actually would go under here. Yeah. So compared to compared to uh, like most of these stood out because compared to the odds relative to other quarterbacks, Baker is basically getting getting priced at like a like Jacoby Brissett level. Like he's getting he's getting priced at as if he is just like a trash, like doesn't even uh, deserve to be on the NFL field type of player. Like, <laughs> uh, and the price, uh, like the price just doesn't match the player that he actually is. Like, not that I'm saying that he's great or anything, but he's better than that. Like, like the plus 140 line on the touchdowns is like, you know, equivalent to a guy like Mitch Trubisky, for example. Right uh like he's priced at, at the same and i think that this game is sort of a wild card the panthers and giants like you can't really call that one team will necessarily start blowing out the other you can't really call that it'll be like i think that it'll be contested in a i think that it'll be contested in a uh, neutral game script 
for the entirety of the game. And week one, Panthers were the most aggressive passing team in the neutral grand script in the NFL. And you had Matt Rule come out and say after the game that he's completely changed his offensive philosophy for this year. So I expect the Panthers to be extraordinarily pass heavy all game long. Um, and for these props to be a good play. Maybe I'd like to see it again. I just, I expect this to be a pretty low scoring game in general. So do I. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two teams, maybe kind of a slower pace game. Um, yeah. Yeah. The yardage over, I'm a little more in on than I am the touchdown over necessarily because of the over under on the game. Um, but on DraftKings, it seems like other people like do agree with me because it opened at minus 110 and it's been, it's been run up to minus 125. So there's been a lot of action on the over uh, for the for the yardage. Um, the touchdowns, I would not be interested in necessarily. And if it if it wasn't that it was plus one, yeah. 140. It's dating back to the last couple of seasons. Baker Mayfield's either going to throw one or two touchdowns. Like he never throws more, never throws less. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and then the, the Steelers... Patriots game dude this is another one probably a low over under I don't have it in front of me but I do like this one you have Jacoby Myers over under three and a half receptions that is a a smash to me he always gets six seven targets at least he should definitely hit that line that's Pat Steelers over under is 40.5 that is it looks like the second lowest on the slate tied for the second lowest on the slate so yeah they're not expecting a lot of a lot of uh points in this game and i uh do agree uh so jacoby myers though it was just like he's just i feel like going to do oh, that yes. like it's it doesn't even like have to be a high scoring game for him to get 10 targets yeah right like he's been like a 25 percent target share guy for the last two years and then in uh week one he like we saw him not only look good but look like really maybe the only functional part of uh the new england passing game so yeah. uh i i do think that He's going to get ample chance to hit this. I expect six, seven, eight targets. Um, and for those targets to be very catchable, considering the role that he plays in the offense, he's running a lot of short and underneath routes. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of people do agree with me, and it's been run up to minus 170. I think I would still take a small bet on it, though. And, the, and then on the other side, the over-under on Najee is, is extremely low now at 52.5, but I still think i go under there just based off him playing through an injury, you know, there's re-injury risk. I think it's it's going to be a low-scoring game. It's going to come through. I don't know if the Steelers can run the ball. I mean, what did he have, 20 rushing yards last week? Yeah, yeah he's always inefficient. Uh, the O-line is horrible. I think I would just be staying away from this line. If I if I had to pick one way or another, I think I would go under. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> this, is, this is just not one that I would be betting. And I know you want the under on George Pickens, too, at 30-and-a-half receiving yards. Definitely. Uh, I, I think I'm a little more hesitant. I wouldn't actually hit that line because I think he's out in the field. He's going to get targets. But if I had to, I would go under, actually. Yeah, uh, just looking, looking at what he did week one, uh, 32 routes run, 9% target rate. How many targets did he get? Like I'm Three targets. Tar- yes, yes. Uh, three targets. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's a lot to ask for a rookie to go from, like, barely any involvement week one uh, to going over 30 passing yards. Um, I think mm-hmm. that there's that what you're seeing with lines uh, like related to George Pickens is still a little bit of that afterglow for how much hype he got preseason. And I think, and I think that he's a good player, just like he should not be priced like this. I mean, like this is probably, this is probably similar to what like someone like Traylon Burks has. That's like, not over under. Like, 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 see, I'll go look at it or whatever, but like, I, I would, bet that Burks that Burks's line is very similar and Burks is a guy that just went for over 50 in his first I, game I love the Deontay Johnson one though they have at 55 and a half receiving yards which that's an easy over to me what did he he, yeah. had, he had kind of a down game in terms of you know actual fantasy production last year and he had 55 yards on seven 12 targets seven receptions like that should be I'll take the over if his line is like that any week even in a game like this yeah, you know that it's going to be that like he's always going to be a guy in that 20 to 30% uh, target share range and generally closer to closer to 30%. So you know that there's going to be a lot of utilization. You know that there's going to be a lot of chance to, to hit this over. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And then for the Saints and Bucks game, this is a game normally we would expect maybe a high scoring game, but with all the injuries on these uh, on these two teams with how good Tampa Bay's defense looked last year, I'm skeptical to hit a lot of the overs here, but you got Jameis Winston at 227 passing yards. And man, I I think I'd go under there, even though he easily hit that mark last week. And the mm-hmm. you know, the Cowboys, what they allowed 134 yards to Dak Prescott last year, last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so for me, like I'm thinking of it in terms of what sort of game script do I think is most likely. And I think it's possible that the Bucks come in and jump out in front, and then Jameis is forced to to throw quite a bit. So if I was going to bet this on, I think I would take the over. Uh, mm-hmm. it, um, thinking, just thinking of it, just thinking of it that way. I probably just wouldn't make a wager here because I could, yeah. I could, I could see it. I could see it also that uh, you know, like that Saints defense is still very, very good. So yeah. I think I, I think I could also see a situation where it is a neutral game script. I think last few times they actually played each other were kind of underwhelming for fantasy. They became more defensive oriented games. They they play each other hard. And I think with all the injuries, that's probably where I'd go. He's missing Kamara, but I mean, he does have his his wide receivers are healthy. It's really on the other side where mm-hmm. they might be missing a couple guys. So I think it might take away over the high end for that game. But then Mike mm-hmm. Evans is at 65 and a half yards. And despite what I said, I'd still go over there because because with them missing Godwin, anytime they miss Godwin, Mike Evans just smashes. So like I see like 50 yards is probably like his floor for this game. I think he could easily get to 70, 80. There's a lot going on here. He also has that, like the Lattimore matchup, which historically he's been, He's been good. Uh, no, he hasn't. Lattimore's Lattimore's been like the one guy who. Oh right, he's been bad. It, it, yeah, well, it seems like he has been able game? to. Like, cons- he had a like he had a good game in like 2019 or something. Like he had a good game like like the second or third time that he faced Lattimore, and then uh, oh. yardage wise has been like pretty bad um, most of the time. Uh, oh my god, you're right. I'm I'm thinking back now. Yeah, maybe I go under here too. Yeah, I mean, really bad against Lattimore. Right, that's what I'm saying. Is like, I don't, I don't think just because of that you necessarily have to just smash the under. But uh, I would, considering that this is a pretty high line for a wide receiver, sixty-five point five is pretty high. Uh, so I think I would still go under. Yeah, like, you're right. I'm actually with you, know, you. Like, you're right about that. Right, I'm going. Yeah, like, I think in right. general, I'm taking unders on that game. Yeah, like I mean, I could. I could definitely see like 50 and a touchdown or something yeah, like that where like been, he still has where he still has a decent fantasy game, but been like 30 and a high for a wide receiver. Yeah. Right. And then, all right. So Cleveland is playing the jets this week. I just wrote down Amari Cooper at 44 and a half yards and man, I'm going to go under here again until I see something <laughs> from, from Jacoby Brissett and that offense, like Amari Cooper to me is someone you probably can't start right now for fantasy 17 yards on six targets last week. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm so happy that I was able to get rid of this dude, like in the one spot that I owned him in dynasty preseason. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I like, I just feel like this is going to be nothing but downhill for Amari yeah. Cooper. Maybe once Deshaun Watson gets in, uh, we'll see him do something, but, um, uh, yeah, no, I would definitely be taking the under here. Uh, like, I mean, like this passing game in general, just week to week, could generate like 150 yards total. This so. is a tough game. Outside of like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, there's it's hard for me to like want to start pieces around the board. Like even Brees Hall, I'd be like sort of skeptical. To, I, I'd start Brees Hall probably, but not expecting a, a ton of upside there. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm going to need some really good odds to take overs in the Browns passing game for the next – until. Definitely. Like, Definitely Watson not. In Browns. Definitely not. And then Miami is uh, against Baltimore this week. I want. I love this line here. Tyreek Hill at seventy and a half receiving yards. He had twelve targets last week. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going over there because Baltimore is really banged up in the secondary as well. I think this will be a, a game of two good offenses. So I, this is a game I like in terms for fantasy points. And then you got two at two hundred forty-five passing yards. I think I'd even go take the over on that one yeah yeah and um we should mention that the baltimore ravens secondary right now is banged up we don't know yeah, that's what it says, yeah. banged up right yeah like the top the top three guys uh 
in the secondary are all like questionable and weren't practicing earlier in the week. So, so, uh, and then you just look at what Tyreek Hill did week one, 41% target share. Uh, that's crazy. You know, like 12 targets, like the guy was like super involved. Uh, it looks like, it looks like they're going to feature him as their like clear wide receiver one. Um, and then, you know, like I'm looking at uh, like the A dot pretty low, uh, which is what you expect out of any wide receiver playing with, uh, uh, Tua, you know, um, given his uh, like limitations as a, as a passer, but then he also did get three deep targets, which was tied for first in the NFL week one. So, so, um, yeah. So like a wide receiver that, that's going to be featured to that level in a matchup that you could see being, uh, being a plus one for him. And that's also going to get deep targets. I think you do have to take this over, even though it is a very high, a very, a very high line. Yeah. I, I feel like it's not too high for him, but yeah, th- there was more to be had in that game for them too. There was time where Tua just missed him down the field. If, if only Tua can, can actually get the ball to him downfield. I hope we can see that. <laughs> But right, then, right. yeah, you, you wrote down Mike Gesicki, 18 and a half yards. Like, dude, after his one target, one yard performance, I guess you're going to have to say under until we see something else change there with him, see him getting more of a, a role in the passing game. But it just seems to be all the wide receivers. They're not utilizing a tight end in the passing game. Yeah, to me, this is this is one of the best bets that I saw on the slate. Um, Mike Gesicki ran 12 routes last week. Uh, he was in on less than half of the snaps. And when he was in there, he was a primary blocker. Like they're, they're just, it, and this is, and this tracks everything that we saw out of the uh, preseason usage for him as well. Uh, they're not going to use him as a pass catcher this year. Um, so he could like, whatever, like get loose in the seam and catch, like basically yeah, what like, you're betting on here. Hit that line, but yeah, like what you're betting on here is like, will there be like a busted coverage on <laughs> one of his, on one of his 12 routes. Uh, but, but I think, you know, like this is one that I, that I, that I like actually would actively bet and would bet pretty, uh, pretty heavily. Like it would be like a multi-unit bet. Yeah. And then on the other side, Lamar Jackson, I, I want to throw this one out there because his rushing line is at 53 and a half yards last week. Didn't really need that from him, but he hit that mark in eight of his 11 games last year. So that's another one. I'll just, take the over on i'm not you know super confident in it but he always hits that mark he's always running for like 60 70 yards yeah the matchup with uh, the dolphins yeah this is this is another one that uh like that could go either way i would i would need to see the i need to see the odds on it um what do they got him at they don't even have him listed on DraftKings for for rushing yards <laughs> no <laughs> which means that they're not that they're not certain um so are not actually here it is. Yeah, yeah so they have they have a fifty three point five uh, minus one fifteen. Uh, yes, so it's basically it's basically even on the over under. Um, it's a tough call for me. Uh, I guess I would go over given uh, like what you said about the rate that he hit it uh, last year. Yeah, it was crazy. That's why I threw that one out there because I was shocked to see that. And even one of the games he missed it, he was like under by like two yards. Right. Then you got the commanders at the, at the lions this week. Um, This one I thought was interesting because, you know, before season we would have been smashing the under on this, you would think, but Antonio Gibson at 60 and a half yards here where he seems to be the guy. And not only that, he got the targets last week. Um, The lions are a team that can be run on, you know, maybe the worst run defense in football. (laughs) So I actually really like the over there. Yeah, and uh, like this is interesting. On uh, DraftKings, you're actually getting one less yard too. So like he's at, he's at a fifty nine and a half over there. Yeah. So yeah, I think I I think I do lean over here, uh, given his involvement last year, and like you said, the deficiencies that we expect out of the Lions' uh, rush defense. Uh, um, we saw a seventy eight percent like opportunity share out of Gibson in Week One. I think I would. Rather rather than go this way, I might look at what if you can if you can get a rush plus reception prop for him. Uh, and I don't know if I I don't believe in the receptions continuing for him honestly. <laughs> yeah, so the over under there um, is eighty three point five uh, rush plus reception. So they're saying it's like you're basically taking the bet 
at the same odds, can he go over 23 and a half uh, receiving yards? And I think I would prefer that. Like, I think that we disagree on whether we think that the passing game usage is real. But um, I think I would rather take that, to be honest. Really? Yeah, so the Lions side, we got Amon Ross St. Brown, six and a half receptions. And, man, he's probably hit this in, like, what, 10 straight games or something? Dude, I know. I know. And you're getting, like – you're getting like plus odds on DraftKings, which is crazy to me. This is another one. And then straight like, games, he's been over this. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is another one where it's like one of the best bets on the slate. Like this is one that I would actually bet. Uh, another one that I would go with like multiple units on. Um, plus one twenty. He's the dude is getting the dude is getting to going back to last year. Ten plus targets that are very catchable targets uh week in week out and i mean like you said like he's gone over this over and over and over again yeah. like, seven straight so over, yeah, since, ever like, since he broke out yeah yeah last week yeah from week from week 13 on into week one of this year he's done it every single game i do not understand this line he's at all. actually it would have it would have been better at seven and a half because he's been eight or over in every game so it's I don't understand it. Low. I, I don't understand. Like plus one twenty. What's the deal? Like, is there something that I'm not getting about like the Washington cornerbacks or something? Are they just like maybe crazy elite? maybe they have some like great safety that can cover? Yeah, of- and he plays out of the slot, so he's not even going to be facing the yeah, top, he's like the never top, side. top corners. Yeah, he's gonna anyway. be he's gonna be like matched up on linebackers and stuff. I like that one a lot. I'm glad you you put that one in there. Yeah, for sure. It just I mean even if you miss it like. Just the, the the odds of what he's done down like the past eight weeks, like we said. Like, I mean, I would expect this to be like minus one forty or something. Like this, yeah. something is off. Like there, like this is one of those lines that makes me think there's something that I'm like missing. I know it's crazy. For the Colts Jaguars, I bet this line last week too. Travis Etienne twenty and a half receiving yards. He hit the line, and then. There was this freak play where he like caught the ball and fumbled it. But when on, upon replay, it was clearly an incompletion. He like never had possession, but they still, mm-hmm. rev- they still called it a fumble and the ball went back like five yards. So it took away the prop and I missed it. And I would have fumble like, oh, takes yeah. off receiving yards. Yeah. Yeah. Because they ball bounced like five yards backwards on the fumble. So they, so they gave him negative yards on it. And they took away. It's crazy, man. I would have had. I would have had a. a five, I didn't know that. That's how it works. I would have had a five-play parlay on Prize Picks. I would have won. Oh my god! So annoying, but dude, that's such a bad beat. Dude. This is one twenty and a half yards for Etn. Like he was out there on the field in all passing situations. Colts are a good team. I, I like the over on this one again. That's a hilariously bad beat. Man. I know, dude. Um. Yeah, Travis. It was. It was a bad call too. It shouldn't have been a fumble. They reviewed it. <laughs> And even the announcers were like, what? That was an incompletion. He never had possession of it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like, yeah. I mean, like you said, um, if you just look at uh, like the high level opportunity share for ET and it did not look good, particularly after that, after that fumble that you're talking about, they ended up um, pulling him out of the game more or less. Um, but uh, if you look at um, situation uh, specific usage, where like you said, in all, uh like he absolutely dominated like long down and distance stuff so which means that he was the primary passing game back uh and saw four targets and limited work so uh i think that you can expect a lot of passing game utilization out of travis Etienne all year long and that as long as as long as it hovers around this 20 yard mark or so uh the over is a good bet especially at like near even money yeah, and then for the Colts side, no Michael Pittman. So you've got Jonathan Taylor at 99 and a half yards against Jacksonville. Let's just say, dude, I feel like you have to take this over like more times than not. He he hits the over more, over 100 yards, far more than he doesn't. And in the last three games against Jacksonville, he's averaging 149 rushing yards. <laughs> and with no Michael Pittman there, like I never take overs this high, but with Jonathan Taylor, I feel like it's a must well, yeah, I mean, just look at what he did last year. It's crazy. Just game after game after game, he hit this. I know. Uh, and then, like you said, like what he averages against Jacksonville, he just absolutely absurd. Jacksonville. They should just um, boy, they should be controlling the clock in this one. You'd expect. 
Yeah, and I and I and I think that Jacksonville uh, is going to be better this year on offense, but I could still see this one getting out of hand and Taylor, uh, like them using Taylor in like the third and fourth quarter, with like a ten point right. lead, sort of like grind out the clock. So if I had to choose, I would take the over on this as well. Yeah, Jacksonville is not going to be good enough where they're blowing them out that Taylor's not going to be on the field. <laughs> I'm just seeing this Allen Robinson line. Yeah, Allen Robinson, fifty three and a half yards. I love that. We don't really have to spend much time on that. We. I got you want the over, right? That's pretty low for Allen Robinson. I don't know. Man. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think like I tend to think that he's gonna do a bounce back, but like <laughs> if he doesn't though, it's I was, gonna be way under. And I was obviously like high on, on him going in, but like you know, I may I don't think I would bet the over. I don't really? think I would. <laughs> no, 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 like like because I do want to see it, you know what I mean? Uh he just had he just had no utilization. Last year. Like it was like it was, it was so bad that it's like, and this is, and, th- and this is a relatively high over. Like I don't you just have to assume that that was a fluke 50, to bet this over. 50, 54 yards is like pretty high, and this is a guy that I'm high on. I, I just think that this line under? is. I mean, I would go. Under. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's I mean, we're gonna have to pay attention to that one here. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely talk about Allen Robinson, but in that same game. They got Kyle Pitts at 47 and a half yards higher over under for Drake London in this one. But man, I just, I think there's going to be points in this game. So I like this over for Pitts as well. I last week he had seven targets and new Orleans always plays him tough. Cause they, they play their slot corner against him. Um, it's been a tough matchup for Pitts since he came into the NFL. And I think more weeks than not, he's going to be well above 50 yards. You know, so against the the Rams here, whose defense struggled last last week as well, I like the over. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, take that over. It I think seems it's pretty low. It's, I think his his line is going to be rising as the season goes on. Yeah, it seems like a pretty easy over in this situation. You could you could definitely see the Falcons playing um, a lot of uh, catch up here in the second half. And Kyle Pitts is a guy that's going to be heavily involved every single week for them. Twenty uh, percent target share last week, seven targets. So, yep. This one is funny. So I did the the rushing. <laughs> the rushing. <laughs> both Samuel thirty-one and a half rushing yards, but like if, especially if this game is a downpour, he had fifty-two yards on the ground last week, and now there's no Elijah Mitchell. So like he's going to be their lead back. Like I love the over on this one. <laughs> Do you know how often he's hit this whenever he's been? Oh um, man, I'd have to. I'd have to. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to look at it. Probably pretty quick. often. So last year, whenever he. So he started getting used as a running back. Yeah, look at when midway, he started. Midway through the season. And he went over. What's the line? 31 and a half. So 32. Yeah, he went over six out of eight games that he and was again this year. He was used as a running back, and then seven of his yeah, last right. nine, and there's no Elijah Mitchell. Then he went and over again. <laughs> yeah, so like my like gut reaction was just to was just to like take the under because I want to take the under on a wide receiver <laughs> rushing line that's in the He's 30s. But 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 yeah, I mean, I guess I do have to take the over. Like like Mitchell's going to be out, so I, I mean, and even in a game where Mitchell played like uh, a certain percentage of it he he went over so yeah man i think i i think i think that i would go the over here on the seattle side how about rashad penny 54 and a half yards that was one i really liked the over on when i first looked at it but kenneth walker is coming back in so so last week he had 60 rushing yards only on 12 carries he had another like 30 yard run called back on a on a penalty and with a, a game I expect to be really, really run heavy, I think I still like the over on that rushing line. I still think he's going to be seeing most of the carries ahead of Kenneth Walker. Yeah, what's the matchup here? 49ers. Yeah. 49ers, yeah. yeah I think, I think most that, weeks, Penny's going to be around like 75 rushing yards or so. Yeah, I think I think on the rushing yards, um, if I had to go one way, I would probably take the over because of uh, the game uh, conditions here. Whenever I first saw the line, I wanted to, I wanted to take, I wanted to uh, take the under because Walker's coming back and it'll be a split backfield. Um, but given that it's, it's going to be a lot of rain, so maybe expect some more rushing than I would have. Um, but the one you, I, you point, take the over. The one you pointed out is the one and a half receptions. That's that is an easy under for me. He only hit that twice 
since last year. Yeah, he's he's yeah, he's not a guy that's at all featured in the passing game. And now he's going to be splitting time out of the backfield. So uh, under one and a half catches um, in poor like game conditions as well. Um, Definitely, definitely. And then Texans Broncos. Damian Pierce is still at 42 and a half rushing yards. I expect the Broncos to to beat them down. And Damian Pierce couldn't get over this last week in a positive game script for him. Didn't get enough. Yeah. So 42 and a half still seems pretty high for me. Where I'm yeah, going this, under here. Definitely, definitely. This is this is, I think, uh another one where it's like one of the best bets on the week. Uh, like you said, the game script situation. I don't think he's gonna get a lot of chance around the clock. And even if they were in a uh, a positive game script for them. It would probably be Rex Burkhead getting the majority of the carries as we saw last week. Exactly. And then on the flip side there, Cortland Sutton, they have at 56 and a half receiving yards. I was just kind of shocked to see it that low. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not terribly low, but he went over this last week and I just, I expect Denver to be able to throw the ball more as the season goes on, definitely against Houston. So I like the over there. I mean, he seems like a shoe in for like seven or eight targets each week. Yeah, the only the only thing that would give you pause is the week one target share was not a, was not good at all, seventeen percent. Um, but but he remained as a primary deep threat as he was last year, as he's been as he's been for his entire uh, career in the NFL so far. He's good. He, he's he tied Tyreek Hill as I mentioned earlier uh, uh, for, for the number of deep targets in week one with three. His A dot was twenty. So uh, he had 141 air yards, 40% air yards. There. Yeah. So like uh, he, he seems to be like we thought all preseason, he seems to be the primary deep target filling in that boundary deep target role for Russell Wilson, who's been so good at connecting on boundary deep targets over the course of his career. Also, so yeah, I think, I think I would go over here. He had like another 50 yard target that he got the PI on that like doesn't count towards his overall stats. So that's another target and another, some more, even more air yards to add on to what he already put up. He was getting deep targets over and over in that game. And then, you know, Vegas at Arizona here, probably best to just take as many overs as you can in this game. But man, they have Derek Carr at 278 yards. That is a lot. Yeah, the passing yard overs, I would, I'm like smashing in the game. Like, this is a game that I'm targeting for the passing yard overs. And I think Arizona all season long, you're going to want to target uh, for the passing game overs. They, they, they simply do not have an NFL caliber secondary. Yeah, man. I would, I think I'd still go over here too, because I think they're maybe the worst secondary in football. So he they are, I think, 300 yards, but that, that is a lot of yards, 278 for him. You know, he I'm looking down the stretch. He didn't really hit that mark many times last year, but it's a whole new season here with Devontae Adams. So I, I think a lot of points in both directions this game probably take. And Devontae Adams, I didn't I didn't I didn't put on here either. But like, yeah, Devontae Adams is another one uh, for the receiving yards over. Uh, let me see what they have it on. It was like close to 100 yards. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I expected to be around. No, I also put down okay. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is at 255, which is a number that he hit over and over last year. And I expect points here. So I like the over for him as well. Yeah. And, and Marquise Brown is at 57 and a half receiving yards. I like that one. Yeah. So Devontae Adams is at 92.5. And I would, yeah, I would smash that over. Yeah. I mean, if he's getting close to the target share he got last week, it should be an easy one. Yeah, and I saw I saw they don't offer this on uh, DraftKings, but I saw somebody on Twitter had posted a screenshot of a line for uh, week two uh, uh, most yards from a wide receiver, and Adams was like plus nine hundred or something like that. To me, would be a really fun bet. Yeah, and then I just threw in there because I want to see how many you can get. What about Darren Waller at fifty and a half yards? Darren Waller, what are the odds on that? Darren Waller. He yeah, DraftKings has it. DraftKings has it at even money at 48 and a half. Oh, so, like, this is actually yes, this is actually a really good line then. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean I guess I guess just I guess just like line shopping. Yeah, like you gotta take the over. Even though he wasn't he wasn't <clears throat> super involved. He had 79 right. yards last week, six targets. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's getting some big plays, but if you're if Carr is going to throw for 285 yards, Adams exactly. is going to hit these overs. I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, right. Yeah. Like everything in the passing game just has to be an over here. I think. This one to me is a smash under. Under and big time. Chalk, it's a chalk yes. pick here, but Cooper Rush at 210 passing yards. Like, why is it that high? I have no idea, man. Like, like the Cowboys offense look dysfunctional even with uh, like Dak Prescott in there. So I don't know. I don't know why we expect Cooper Rush to be able to do anything. I mean, it, it is. It is. Slam. It is extremely low, but uh, even still. I mean, it's yeah, low, but relatively low. It's not that low. Like Jacoby Brissett's line was like 185, you know, and Cooper Rush, we don't, you know, we haven't seen a lot of promise from him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I don't, man. I yeah, That's an understatement. <laughs> I, can't, I can't expect, it could, it could go over just because of all the amount of garbage time that he's going to see in this game probably, but I, mm-hmm. I just think the team's going to be a mess. They have problems on the offensive line, problems with the receivers new quarterback coming in and Cincinnati is actually a, a tough defense there. They're a DFS play. They're going to be such a chalk play in tournaments. They're $2,200 DraftKings defense lineup, but I'm going to be forced to like play them everywhere. Cause I just can't imagine the, the Dallas actually putting up yards and points in this game. <laughs> right. I don't know how they're going to do it. And then Tony Pollard, 30 and a half rushing yards. What did he have? Like six yards last week? Eight. Eight. Yeah. Eight. <laughs> Six carries for eight yards. Yeah, this this to me is another one that like uh, is a smash bet. Like this is one of the best bets on the slate. Forty uh, percent opportunity share last year. Six carry or last game six carries. So like this is a guy that he's going to be the second running back on an offense that is not going to be able to move the ball and will be in a negative game script all game long. So like I just. Just another one where, like, I just don't, I just like, don't get the line here. Like, yeah. it should be, it should be to me like minus one forty, like, like minus uh, like one fifty, and you're able to get it at minus one ten. Yeah, no, that's a pretty good one. Uh, he might be more involved as a pass catcher because they're starved for pass catching weapons. But Zeke's getting most of the carry, so if you know he gets seven eight carries here, I'll bet on him not rushing for over thirty yards. You know, maximum. And then T Higgins is at 58 and a half receiving yards. Oh man. I just looked it up. That's something he's hit in the last eight of his last 10 games in regular season. Yeah. And he hit them yeah. all in the playoffs as well. Yeah. This is one that I put in to make a, to make a general point that like T Higgins overs. And I, and I think this is going to continue to happen at least for like the early part of this year. Like maybe betters will start to get wise to this going forward, but I mean, anywhere that you can bet on T. Higgins, whether it's on DraftKings, whether it's in sports books, whether it's in your fantasy lineup, whether it's in a like prediction strike or these apps where there's like stock markets for fantasy football, anywhere that you can bet on him, he's going to be underpriced. Yeah. Um, because, because of like, Lamar Chase. Right. Like because Chase is there. Like, and Higgins actually, in the time that he shared the field with Jamar Chase, has put up more yardage. So, 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 uh, yeah, this is, and I mean, just bet on, just bet on Higgins overs until, until, until things start to catch up with like what the uh, reality of the situation has been. Yeah. I like it in this case too. Uh, last one I have here, the green Bay Chicago game. I threw out the Aaron Rodgers passing line. It's at a hundred, 246 and a half yards. And, uh, that's not a lot for him, but man, I like the under in this one. You know, just based off what we saw from them last week, I think that they're going to dominate this game probably through the ground. Aaron, D- Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon will have big games. But until I see them, a receiver step up and them start to click, I'm probably going to take unders for Aaron Rodgers here. I don't expect a lot of passing yards in this one. Yeah, you get to take, what was it, like 60, 70 yards off the board last week because of the Christian Watson drop. <laughs> okay, um, that's fair. <laughs> um, uh, and and he did he did throw the ball thirty four times. Uh, uh, like did Aaron Rodgers and the pace of play, in in like Green Bay terms, normally they are glacial. Uh, but yeah. they ran they ran at like dead middle of uh, the league um, last week. So um, yeah, this is this is kind of a rough one. I think that it's about dead on the money. 
uh, here, but he's getting Lazard back, correct? He is, yeah. Yeah, he's That's getting something. Lazard back. Um, they're up against uh, Chicago defense. I think if I have to pick one, I would lean over here. Yeah, I think uh, I'm. Just I think gonna, this is a very good line. I'm going to stay unders until I see them start to click as a, right. a passing game because I just think this is going to be such a heavy running back um, game script here because they should dominate. I think so too. Chicago. I think yeah. so too. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. They're at home here. I think it's prime time game, right? Yeah, it's a really this one's just super close. Like I'd rather just not say anything, but but for the purposes of like <laughs> taking a side, that's yeah. one I actually like the under on that one. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean we'll have to. Uh, I like this formula for a show. We get some more question and answers, you know, going into the week, um, so we can you know, uh, field some of uh, your emergency questions. Before the week starts, you know, any kind of dynasty trades, dynasty roster construction, that's the type of stuff that you can throw at us. That's what we'll be most helpful with. <laughs> but assuming we get some of these right, I'm going to go back and tally our, our picks here. And if we're getting them right, then we'll continue to do it. This was something we actually did well on the show last year. You know, we yeah. basically had like a 60 plus percent hit rate almost every week. Yeah, sports betting in New York opened up, uh, I think, like week 13 last year, something like that. And I ended up I ended up hitting on like what I mean, it's, it was it was a sample of about like, like 110 bets or so. And I ended up hitting at like 65 uh, percent, yeah. which is pretty good. Yeah, there were weeks that we actually crushed this on the show. Um, yeah. so I remember going back like. Some weeks we had like 80, 90% success rate. So I think if you really look, you know, I put out a lot of lines here because I wanted to cover a general overview of the week, you know, which could help you for your general fantasy lineups as well. But if you're focusing in on the right bets each week, you know, really know what to look for, then you can do pretty well on these uh, prop lines. Unfortunately, I don't have access in California. So I have prize picks is all I can do here. So that's why I'm on onto prize picks. I could do the parlays, but they don't let me onto the DK FanDuel Sportsbook. <laughs> that's real disappointing. That's why I'm more of a DFS player. But yeah, make sure to like and subscribe. Again, throw any uh, last minute questions you have. We'll try to field them for you if they come in. Uh, but until next time, we'll see you. See ya.